0: How are you guys? Awesome. Cool. Just OK? That's, hey, that's better than bad. Um, so I kind of got a lot of story to kind of get into tonight, so I'm going to try to jump into it as fast as I can. Um, but uh, so this is going to be the series I do. It's called Gator. Um, you guys are going to learn throughout the week kind of what that stands for. It's, it's an acronym. Um, so you guys are going to see what the G, the A, the T, and the R sound like. Um, that's weird. <laughs> um, so, the reason I kind of wanted to do this is the G stands for glorify. Um, and we're going to kind of look, tonight we're going to be looking at what it looks like to glorify, what it looks like to give God glory, what it looks like to the reason of why we have to give glory and kind of how we can do it and how we can look at that. Um, and then next week and the week after, Tyler's going to do those two. And it's going to be admit this is going to be the A. And it's, it's the way that we can repent and the way that we pray repentance as well as confession just to tell god kind of what's going on in our lives what we're doing even though he already knows it how good confession is and and how we have to do it and then the next week is going to be thanks um and just the whole idea of thanking, which is kind of funny because that's going to probably line up right near thanksgiving and i didn't do that on purpose and that's kind of funny um but just the idea of how important thanks is and how important it is to thank god for the huge things in life but also for the minute things like breathing and the way that our lungs accept oxygen and stuff like that. Just the smaller things that we never really think about. And then the second to last week is going to be request, which is what the R stands for, which is why it's Gator. Um, and that's going to be how we can ask God for things and how we talk to God and how we should beg him and, and ask him for multiple things. And, and when we ask for him, to ask him big things and, and huge things in our life, to not come to him as a God who can maybe somewhat kind of do something, but as a God who is him and who he is and and how we can go to him with the biggest of all prayers and know that he can answer it. Um, and the kind of reason I wanted to talk about this, and God kind of laid it on my heart about how important prayer is, just because it's huge. Um, prayer is a huge tool that I don't feel like, one, that we use enough because it's extremely important, and it's, it's such a major way that we can do things, but as well as that, it's, it's the way we communicate with God. It's the way that we have that relationship, the way that we have communication and just just being able to talk to god it's kind of what separates us from a lot of other religions because they're not able to talk to their god and even if they do their god doesn't usually respond the same way that ours does our god responds with word written word and we are able to see that when we pray and and god kind of laid it on my heart that you know it's it's a super powerful tool we have because when you think about it you know something big goes on in your life your instant thought is prayer you know somebody gets sick your immediate thought is well, i gotta pray for that person but prayer is so much more than that. It's so much more than hearing about somebody being sick and you want that person to be healed. It's so much more about, you know, God, I really got a test coming up and I want to make sure I pass it. It's so much more than that. It's the way that we get to have this relationship with God. It's the way that we get to be around God and it's the way we converse, that's not a word, conversate with God. It's the way that we talk to God. It's it's the same way if me and Chelsea never talked, we would never be in a relationship. You know, I could say I was dating her all day long. Or I could say that me and her are together. But if I've never talked to her a day in my life, I'm just a weird dude that thinks the girl's pretty at the end of the day. And she's the girl that has no, no idea. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the way that we get to talk to God. And it's the importance of what it looks like. And, and God just laid it on me, the fact that seeing that so many people are afraid to pray or scared to talk to God or scared to You know, wonder what people are gonna think about them when they speak to God, or worried about what people are gonna say when they stutter a little bit, or they're saying, um, or "Ah, you know God, and they can't really find the words. It's the fear that we have that causes us not to talk to God. And but it's such an important and such a powerful tool that we have. Um so, like I said, tonight we're gonna be looking at glory. We're gonna be in the book of Job. Um, and what I'm gonna kind of do is just run down through the whole story, um, kind of somewhat quickly, but not really. There's a lot of story to Job. Um, we're going to be mainly in Job chapter 42 verses one through six. So you guys can go ahead and flip there. Um, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to start talking about the story. I'm going to let you guys get there first. Though. Oh, actually, I'm just going to pray. <laughs> All right. Um, dear God is people are kind of flipping the pages and trying to get there. God, I didn't really give much time to find it, but, um, God, I pray that you just lead tonight. God, you're you're huge, man. You're you're a giant God. And and it's funny to think about things like that sometimes because we don't really always look at that. God, sometimes we we feel like you're just a small God that doesn't that doesn't answer the big prayers or doesn't even think about the big prayers. And God, I, I pray that we get to see how amazing and how beautiful and how great and, and almighty and righteous you are tonight, God. I pray that God, just to be able to look at the creation of what you've done, God, you know. We get to look at things so often, we get to give glory so often, but God, we, we rob you of your glory. So God, I pray that we just get to look at that tonight in the story of Job, that we can see the beauty and the glory that you present before him, God, to make him look right back at you. God, all the things that happen in his life, all the things that happen before we get to where he comes back, God, that the amount of glory that you give, that you show him of yours, God, is just beautiful, and yet it's just a tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse of it. So God, as we wake up, God, I pray we look at the sun and know that you've made it, God. We know that the earth that we're standing on that constantly spins, if it ever were to stop, God, we would all die from pure impact of something. God, the way that space holds stars in their place so that we can look at them and find them beautiful, God. The way that we can wake up every day, God, breathe and just praise you. God, everything that you are, God, everything that you show us to be, everything that you know, God, everything you've done and everything that you, that you allow us to know, God, it's, it's all beauty. And God, that's all you are. It's beauty, God. You're, you're perfect, God. Our minds can't even comprehend or fathom the words that, that come to play. God, no words can ever compliment you enough. But God, you're amazing. God, you're perfect. And in in every way, God, you're every word that I don't know. God, you're all things that are good. And God, I'm thankful for that. So God, as we open up the word tonight, God, as as I pray that you just use me as the vessel that I am, God, as as the pot, God, that I pray that you just use me and and plant a flower in me, God, if that's what you want to do. God, that you use me in the way that I know you can. And God, I pray that you just allow our hearts and our minds to be open, God, to see what you have to talk to us, what you have to say to us, God, and what it means to, to glorify you and how that looks in our lives. So God, we love you. God, I pray that nerves be calmed, that we don't worry, and by we, I mean me, God, that I don't worry as much about what I'm saying because God, I want you to steal the show, God, and I want you to talk about myself. So God, I love you. God, I thank you. And pray this in your name. Amen. So, story of Job. Um, kind of to start out, and like I said, I'm just going to be going through the whole thing. So, Job is a very righteous, very good, like super nice guy. He's got, um, he's got seven sons, three daughters. Um, you know, he's a good loving family man. He's got his wife. He cares about them. He's working. He's got a field. He's got servants. He's got animals. He's, he's a really just a well-rounded dude. Like you think Bible person, you're thinking Job. Like best person you can think of, Job's pretty much that or even better in some cases. Um, so what happens is some angels walk up to God. And they're like, hey, we're going to go talk to God. And then Satan's also with them. Um, And Satan also comes up to God as well. And he kind of looks at God and he's like, hey, man, I've been walking around the earth. You know what you got? And uh, God is like, have you considered my good and faithful servant, Job? Have you considered my servant, Job, my follower, Job? Have you have you looked at him? Have you thought about him? He's really good. And Satan's like, well, of course he's good. Look what you've given him. You've given him the world. You've given him servants. You've given him money. You've given him a wife, kids. I mean, this dude's life is blessed beyond belief. Like you, you couldn't ask for better. Of course he's going to praise you. You take that away. What's going to happen in a second? He's going to be like, hey, bump you. It's the thought, you know, he's going to curse God. And he even says that at the end of this, he'll curse your name. This is the kind of portrayal that Satan gives towards Job if God were to take all that away. So what God does is he looks at him and he's like, hey, you can do anything, but you can't affect Job's health. You, you can affect Job. You cannot kill him. You can do anything to him, pretty much. So God kind of allows Job to be tested in this sense. Um, so what happens is exactly that, everything but. Um, Job's wife leaves him. His kids die. His, his whole home and everything around him is pretty much just destroyed. His life comes crumbling down on top of him. Everything goes crazy. He gets boils all over his body. He, he his health diminishes, but he doesn't die. So Satan's following the rules, which I love to see because Satan has to follow the rules, and I think that's a cool thing. Um, but we see that in it, he takes everything from Job. So what then Job does is in chapter three, immediately, he laments his birth. He hates his life pretty much. He's like, Man, if I wasn't born. None of this would have happened. I wish I wasn't born because this sucks. This is the worst thing. Everything's been taken from me. My money's gone. My family's gone. My house everything's gone. I have nothing except for my three friends. And this three friends come up, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys spoiler warning they kind of suck. Um, so they come up and they talk for a little bit. They spend some days weeping with them. And after they weep together, they kind of look at Job and they're like, look, dude, um, this is your fault. You kind of suck. Um, you should have been doing better, you should have done a lot more. God God does good to good people, so you obviously weren't good enough. You um, you you just don't do it right. Otherwise, God would be good to you. And all at the same time, there's a guy named Elahu that's in the background, or Elihu, that's in the background. He's kind of listening to this. He's a little bit younger than him uh, than Job and his three friends. So he doesn't really speak much because he doesn't want to be out of place. Well, he uh he just continues to hear what his friends tell him, what Job's friends tell him. How about how they're they're really just diminishing the name of Christ. They're diminishing the name of God, saying you know, false things about him, about how God gives really good to the good, because that's not really true. God gives the same. He's always constant. And he continues, they continue to do that, and then it even says in the scripture about four times from one paragraph that righteous anger rolls over Elihu, that it continues to roll over him until the point to where he almost bursts. So then he rebukes Job's friends. He's like, look, you guys don't know what you're talking about, Job. Let me tell you, man, dude. God answers. God listens. God talks to you. God cares about you. God's got a plan. God's got an idea for all of this. Trust me, Job. God's got you, man. Please, just trust me. Listen. They don't know what they're talking about. They're crazy. Listen. God's got a plan. He, he's got you, man. And and I think it's 32. Job, it, it, Job, just once again, is just like I don't, I don't get it. And then it says that that's his last word, that his words are ended there. Well, then we come to, um, we come to chapter 38, which you guys don't have to turn there if, unless you really want to, um, which I do recommend reading all of this from 38 to 42. Um, but it's cool because at the point of Elihu do, or Elihu doing that, Job kind of has two options. Um, he's got the option of giving God glory, figuring out how to give God glory. He's got the option of walking away and leaving God forever to completely disown God. And we're going to see what he does. Um, obviously, Job's a huge part of the Bible. He comes back, but we're going to see kind of how he does that um, from just constant days of just walking this way and just feeling terrible and horrible and hearing that he's horrible, and then this one guy lifting him up, and then now. Um, it says that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind in chapter 38, verse 1. And he says, what is it, or Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who's speaking and doesn't even understand? And then in verse three, he says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known. In the King James version, it says, gird up your loins like a man, pretty much pull up your big boy pants, get ready. Cause I'm about to tell you something and it's about to be big. Um, other translations say dress for battle, prepare for battle. Um, pretty much like it's coming. You need to be ready for it. So what God kind of does in the whole of chapter 38, 39, 40, 41, up until 42, is he constantly just tells Job of his glory. He tells Job of how good he is, how amazing he is, almost in question forms. And, and I was talking to Chelsea earlier. It's, it's funny kind of how sassy God gets in it. Um, so when we look into it, verse four of chapter 38 says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Let me know if you get it. You know, where, 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 where was I when I created the f- the earth. You know, where were you at? Tell me, because you know, right? You know where I was. You know where you were, right? No? Okay. And then it continues to do things like that. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know, right? You know, Job. You, You got this. You decided to question me. You decided to talk to me. Surely you know. You know the idea. You know where it was. You know what happened. Tell me. You got it? And he continues just to show his glory and show the things he does, talking about the sea and how when it burst forth that he allowed walls to cover it so it wouldn't like overflow the whole world. And then in verse 12 of chapter 38 says, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Have you caused the the sun to come down and know exactly where the dawn is? Have you caused it to perfectly set in one spot? So it kind of goes from like purplish to orangish to yellowish, to purplish, to dark blue, like the sky with the scars. Have, Have you done that job? Have you done that? Okay, cool. Didn't think so. Um, In 18, it says, have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know this. Let me know. Do you know it? You can speak at any moment. I've commanded you to answer. Let me know. And then it keeps going. And and I love 22 and 23 and 38. It says, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you entered the storehouses of the hell, which I've reserved for the time of trouble for the day of battle and war? I got these special places for the weather. Do you know where that's at? Do you know where it is? Have you ever been in there? Do you know where I've put it? Do you know where it is that it'll come down when I command it to, when I call it to? And then 39, he even mentions some kind of weird, minute things that don't look big in our lives, but it's huge. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you know when every mountain goat is giving birth where every baby goat is born? One up that nowadays. Do you know where every baby is born? Do you know every baby's name that's born? No. I do though, because he does, because he's God. And then just continuously, even talking about horses and in their, in their hair. and Then in chapter 40, God kind of stops a little bit and he, and, he, and he looks and he says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer. So pretty much he's like, so? What you got? What you got, Job? It's your turn. And Job kind of looks at him and, and, and I, I would just assume probably fear and, and like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, he looks and he says, behold, I'm of small account what shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Now, remember at the beginning of when God started telling him and talking to him about all this, he said, you will answer. So once again, in this little couple of verses where Job answers, he's almost like, look, God, I get it, man. I was in the wrong. I'm like this big. You're like this big. I don't even know where I'm at. My bad. Um, God's like, nah. That's not going to work this time. That's not going to cut it. That's not how I'm feeling it. And again, right after that, he says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you not condemn me that you may be right? Once again, just letting him know, look, you came at me. I'm clapping back pretty much. So I love it because God claps back and I love that. Um, So he just continues to talk about his goodness and his his strength and his power and his might which is all glory to God and then he mentions the behemoth which as I was reading is, is awesome and Tyler mentioned to me that it's literally translated as a fire-breathing crocodile um, which is cool because it totally fits in um, but it's also cool because he mentions things like he's extremely strong large his back is like shields plated one after the other so tight that air can't even penetrate through it that um, that iron is like straw to the behemoth because it's so large and so powerful and so strong that sh- iron, which is like, if you've guys ever played Minecraft, it's like the second strongest material. Um, and it's, 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 like right up under diamond and diamonds, the top tier, you know, iron's the best one even here. You know, have you, you guys have never carried a block of iron cause it's heavy, expensive, durable. It's you're not going to have a block of iron. Cause that's just not a thing that happens nowadays you know, and and we even make swords out of it. We make weapons out of it because it's so strong and so durable. Yeah. It's like straw to him. He can bend it in his fingers with if he wants to for fun. He eats it. You know, the things that you would do with straw, that's how iron is to him. So it's a huge and, and powerful creature. And God kind of looks at him and he's like, nobody, no man, no person can come up to this creature. No person can go up to this behemoth and and, and speak to it or tell it when to do things or, or come to it or question it. No man would. So who's going to come to me? Who comes to me? The one who created it. Who, who then is he who can stand before me? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the earth, under the whole heaven is mine. And that's God speaking in chapter 41. And he continues just to talk about the behemoth and how good and how awesome he is. And then finally chapter 42, where we're at, verse, starting in verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted, which is just prevented. No purpose of yours. Everything you can do is happening. You, nobody can shake you. Nobody can change what you're doing. And then he quotes himself in uh, verse 3. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, God, I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful me- for me, which I did not know. Saying, look, God, I said this and I question you. I don't even know what I'm talking about, man. I have no idea. It's too good for me to even understand what I asked you, let alone understand the glory and the amazingness of you. And then he quotes himself again, here and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. Pretty much like, look, dude, I asked for this. I asked for this, God. I told you that if you speak, I'm going to listen and whatever you got to say, I'll hear you. And then he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And that's, and then God just goes on after that and rebukes his friends for being crappy friends. <laughs> and then um, after that, he ends up restoring Jib's fortune, brings back his sons and daughters, and he allows them to have a multitude of things, including like 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 14,000 sheep, 1,000 female donkeys, um, whole bunch of junk. Um, and and it's just so cool to see kind of what God has done through Job and through the book of Job. We see that kind of in it, the perspective change. So we see Job and, and I love the book of Job, but you see the beginning of it and throughout the whole book of Job up until really 38, that Job kind of he questions, and he's confused, and he doesn't understand. He's kind of irritated, a little mad, a little upset here and there. He ha- doesn't have anyone backing him up, no one talking to him. His perspective is straight. God wants this for me because I suck, because that's all he's hearing, and that's all he's getting from his friends, and his perspective is just broken almost. And, and in a way, it's, it's sad to see that their perspective can be that way, but as well as that, you put one of us in the situation the same way, and we're going to be the exact same way. We lose our family. We lose our friends. We lose everything that we've ever owned, everything that we've ever had in our immediate thought is, God, why'd you do that to me? I didn't deserve it, right? Job didn't deserve it. God even looked down on Job and said he was a righteous person. Job didn't deserve it. But what happened is God took it away because he had to show his glory. He had to show Job his, his just beauty and his awe. And, and it's amazing because you see the perspective change in 42. God, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so Sorry. The things I've questioned, the things I've thought, the things I've said to you, the things I've I've been upset with you for, and the things I've been mad at you for. God, I don't even know what I'm. I am do not even know what I'm saying. I'm not even. I'm not even strong enough. I'm not even good enough to understand what question I'm asking. It's too wonderful for me. I don't get it. And it's cool just to see the glory that God explains about Himself. So as we kind of look at that, how is that glory? How does that look as glory? How does that look in our lives as glory? And the first kind of thing I had was I wanted to come up with a good example for glory. And I thought of the best. Oh, I thought of the best one. Um, And Tyler is going to love this one. Um, So there's small glory and there's big glory. A small glory would be Carolina beating Clemson, right? And the way that, one, that's never going to happen. Two, (laughs) Two, imagine if Carolina went to play Clemson, right? We all came here and they don't just beat Clemson. I'm talking like they run them in the dirt like 52-0. Like, I'm talking run them in the dirt, and I know that's not, I mean, that's, that'd be a really good thing, especially from Carolina to do that, because, I mean, we're on, or they're on, what, like a six-year or seven-year streak of losing? Five-year? hands close enough. I don't do sports. Um, but, <laughs> you know, they're on this huge streak of losing, so imagine we come, Carolina comes and just absolutely demolishes Clemson, right? What are we going to hear for the next, you know, however long it takes us to lose again? Dude. Well, yeah, they cheated or they paid to win, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Aside from that, from the Carolina fans, you're going to hear, oh, yeah, dude, that's my team. We won. We won it this year, baby. We, we wrecked you guys. That's my team. Carolina is the best, best around. Who are you all going to see that beats 52 to nothing? Nah, not anybody else, just Carolina. We did it because we cheated. We did it. It was great. You know, we killed it. Carolina is the best, right? Let's think of another example. See, I like the Flash. I like superheroes or in a different thought, let's go to Infinity War and Endgame, right? I don't know how many of you guys seen Infinity War and Endgame, but you're about to get major spoilers, so whatever. Um, In Infinity War, we watch it and we have this thought, we have this hope. Superheroes always win. The good guys always got the best at the end of the day. We go through the whole movie and we feel like superheroes are going to just push it straight through and win, right? What happens at the end? Snap. Half of them are gone. Heroes are just, just absolutely distraught. They're, they're, they're terrified. They're horrified. They're, I mean, they're, they're broken. We go into the end game. We're sad. It starts out in a weird opening scene that makes you sad where you watch Hawkeye's family, poof, and he has no idea. And then it goes through the whole movie after five years of them dealing with this, figuring out things and understanding how it goes. Our hope in it is that at the end, in the end game, we win, right? The superheroes win. The good guys win. And what happens that exactly? Iron Man snaps he dies once again sorry if you haven't seen it and then after that happens look how much glory iron man gets even in our culture now you go on to like reddit or you go on to twitter or you go on to something else that has memes and stuff on it you're going to see a whole bunch of like pictures of iron man being glorified like he's the best hero he's the greatest he snapped because he's the best we love iron man he i love you 3000 all that good stuff right you see it and you hear it around because people are glorifying him but that's small glory it's, it's small glory to see that. It's small glory to think that we get to glorify Iron Man in a movie because he snapped his finger and, and killed the bad guy. We glorify that. We glorify that Clem, or Carolina runs Clemson and Dirt. Let's be realistic. We glorify Clemson because they run Carolina and Dirt. At this point, is it even a challenge? Who knows? But we give them glory in it. But in this, we get to see the big glory. The big glory is what God Does to himself. It's what God shows Job about himself. It's the way that that we look and we get to see the marvelous nature of God. You know, instead of the questions and instead of the thoughts, after we see his glory and after we know his glory, our thoughts change and our perspective changes. So we look and we see when he's asking Job these questions, what he's really doing is saying, Look, I do this. Hey, when the seas came and when I created the earth, because I was there, you weren't, and I created the earth. I put walls of sand around it so it could stay in its place. I cause the waves to crash. I cause the moon to pull gravitationally and make the waves crash against against land. I cause the sun to go down and I cause it to look beautiful like a painting. Fun fact, paintings, I made that. There's a song by KB called Undefeated, and everything that it's about is talking about how great God is. <laughs> One of the lyrics in it is if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. I told Saturn that. And where that's hilarious to me, it's also true. You know, he he does everything, and and what he does for Job is he shows him. He's, look, I did all this. That behemoth I told you about, that big one, I created that. The goats that give birth, (laughs) I created those, and I know every goat. I name them all. You guys don't, but I do, I'm sure. All those babies that are born, he knows every second. He knows every breath they take. He knows every hair on our heads, and he doesn't even have to try to think about it. He knits us in our mother's womb because he knows us and he cares about us. He knows everything. And he shows that he knows everything. He shows that he's done everything. He shows that he is everything. So in the end of it all, it's it's all about his glory. The whole point of Job is for Job to be this righteous, good guy to get completely broken and at the end of it, still give God the glory like God said he would. So when Satan says, oh, he won't bless you anymore. He'll curse your name. God looks back at him. and He says, no, he won't. I know Job. He's good. Go try it. I guarantee it won't work. So at the end of the book, what happens is Job glorifies. And Job's perspective changes. He repents and he comes back to the Lord and he shows the Lord that, look, I was wrong and I get it. You got a plan, man. You you know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And I'm sorry I was wrong. So in the same way, it's our purpose. It's our purpose to give God glory. John Piper says that Our purpose, our goal in life is to give God God glory and to enjoy it while doing so. So when you think about it and you begin to glorify God, you begin to tell him all the wondrous things that he does, does it not amp you up? Because it amps me up. It gets me pumped up, man. Like I get to look at trees and I get to look at bricks and I get to look at people and I look at cars and I look at just so many things that God has created and it blows my mind. I get to wake up in the morning, look up and see a blue sky or go to sleep at night and see the red sky. And my immediate thought is red at night, sailors delight, red in the morning, sailors take warning. I mean, it's going to rain tomorrow. It's cool because I get to know that stuff because God created it. God chooses to make the sky red. He chooses to make it pink. He chooses to make it green if he wants to one day. And that'd be rad. I mean, honestly, I get to wake up and I get to see and I get to, I get to notice that I have a house that I'm grateful for. And that's because of God. God created Tyler. He created Olivia. He created the moment that they allowed and had the opportunity to bring somebody random that they met a week ago into their house. And that's God's glory. It's not Tyler's. It's not Olivia's. That's to God, man. It, it's God's glory that, that we get to do anything. It's God's glory. I, I get to come up here and tell you guys about his glory. It, it's God's glory that we get to come to a place where worship is free and we're able to do it. And, and I know you guys have heard before, but I've known, I've spit everywhere, sorry. I know that there's, there's people in, in, that go to China on mission trips. There's a guy I used to go to church with. His name is Jason. He goes every year. He's told me multiple times where they have to take, like if they had Samsungs, they had to take their battery out of their phone, or they had to turn their iPhone off, throw it in a different room, go across the house into another room, and quietly play, if they were allowed to, most of the time not, quietly sing songs and quietly talk about the gospel, because if they were to get caught, they're going to jail. Or possibly death. That's the reality of it. We see in Iraq, we see ISIS and stuff where people can't do these kinds of things, but we are able to do it because of God's glory. We're able to have that because of God's glory. So at the end of the day, our whole purpose, our whole thought, our whole life is just to give God glory, but to enjoy doing so. So kind of the thought process that I kind of had was how do we, you know, how am I, how am I going to give God glory throughout the day as I go do things, as I go to work, uh, the lovely BB&T, as, as I go to church at night, as I go to get lunch at Zaxby's, because they all know me by first name now, if I go to talk to somebody in line, or if I go ask somebody how their day's going or something, how am I going to give God glory during that? Or how am I going to give glory to God when I wake up in the morning? That's exactly what he does. It's God, you woke me up this morning. That's really cool, man. God, that's really neat how I get to breathe oxygen you know, the, the process that that goes into. God, it's really cool that you chose to make the sunrise an hour later, a couple of weeks ago. So we get to sleep in a little bit. I don't really know how daylight time saving work and all that stuff, but I just assume the sun comes up earlier and we just changed it. Or maybe we just like, yeah, let's just get an extra hour of sleep. But God does that. <laughs> and it's cool. God, it's cool that I get to wake up and go to a job. God it's cool just to see all the beauty of what he is and what he does. So, in the same way, our whole point, our whole, uh, our whole goal, our whole idea, our whole everything should be to give God glory. Every day, no matter what the case is, no matter what we go through, Scott talked about it this morning. When you go through a bad situation, our first thought, our first idea, our first impression of that situation is why, God? like he said earlier with children man it, it breaks hearts for people to see a children uh, a children a, a child die it breaks people's heart it breaks people's heart to see a family go through a divorce or a family go through a death it breaks it breaks my heart to see kids who don't get the gospel because their family doesn't care enough it breaks my heart to see people who don't get to understand or experience anything that god has to offer because their parents are too selfish or because they're too lazy to wake themselves up on a Sunday morning and come get some jesus our whole idea should be always to give God glory. And in that, I think with that, that's why it's prayer. That's why it's the first letter. That's why it's the first night. Because what happens is our mindsets change, our thoughts change. When we start prayer off with glory and we start lifting God up and we start by showing God how awesome he is, like I said, it, it allows us to be able to see and allows us to be able to understand certain situations, So when your thought process is like, oh, man, my friend's grandma, she's she's really sick in the hospital. I need to pray about this. And you start your prayer off by saying, God, you're amazing. And you lift God up in your prayer to begin with. When you get to the request section, it's not going to be, God, heal her, please. We want to keep her on the earth. It's going to be, God, let your will be done, man. No matter what your will is, I I don't care what it is, because you know, you know, and I don't. I'm not wonderful enough to understand. I'm not wonderful enough to get what you're going through, to, to get what you have as the plan. So your whole perspective, your whole mind changes. When you begin to lift God up, you allow yourself to see the glories of him. So as I read this and as I got to this and, and as I kind of tried to figure out what the whole point was, I, I try to put myself in the foot of Job, in the feet of Job, to see, okay, God, if you... If you take away Chelsea, if you take away Tyler and Olivia, you take away my family, God, you take away my job, you take away my car, you take away everything I got. God, where am I gonna be at? And unfortunately, my first thought was, I'm gonna be pretty confused and pretty worried. Because if I don't got a house to sleep in or a car to go to, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But in reality, I need to get to the point that when I'm able to do it, when I, when I give God glory, that I need to get to the point to where I can know that at the end of the day, God's wonderful. God can take me off of this earth tomorrow and it's his plan. God's to take any one of you guys tomorrow and it's his plan. And unfortunately, it's a great thing, but also fortunately. Because he knows and he, he knows what he's doing. So our whole point is to glorify, and it starts with glory. It starts with having that mind change and changing our perspective. And as we look next week to admitting, it also changes your admittance. If you start with how great God is and you realize where you're at. Your is going to be totally different. It's not going to be like, oh, yeah, man, I sinned today. It's, Dude, God, I really screwed up today, man. Let me, t- let me tell you what I did. Man, I looked at that person on the road that cut me off. I was ready to kill someone. You know, or God, you know, look, man, I hate to admit it, but I, I saw porn today and, you know, I looked at it and you know, you know what happens when that happens, God, and I'm really sorry. You know, it's going to be from that or you can you not do it and you're going to be like, you know, God, I, I messed up today, so, you know, forgive me. Thanks. Amen or you can be real about it and you can know God's place and you can know your place. So at the end of the day, and the last little point I got is the band comes back up and they're going to play a song and, and we just spend some time kind of looking, looking up to God and, and, and listening to Him and, and seeing how great He is. Um, we get the opportunity to praise God. And, and the song is what Kyle sang last. It's just to be able to lift God up and to praise God. I think I threw that on them on accident. That's my fault, y'all. Um, but just give God glory and and spend this time right now if you need to or if you even want to just spend time giving God glory spend time praying and lifting up his name and even small things or whatever feels small to you whether it's the fact that you're not bald yet which I thank God every day for or if it's (laughs) or if it's being able to see outside or being able to walk or being able to talk just whatever the case is just, just praise God for it and lift him up and give him glory in it so I'm going to pray this out. They're going to sing a song and then just spend time with God. Dear Lord, God, I kind of feel like I feel like it was a little bit all over the place, but God, as well as that, I, I just I just want to lift you up. God, you're perfect. God, you're righteous. God, you're holy. God, there's nothing in this world that's better than you. God, there's nothing in this world that even amounts to you. God, It's it's all just it's all just amazing, the things that you do, God, the things that you hold, the things that you have. God, it's beautiful to see the things that you've done in my life, the things that you've done in these students' life, God, these leaders' life. It's thankful It's just great to see everything that you've allowed us to have, everything that you've allowed us to, to be able to understand in your name, God, the way that you lift, the way that you lift your name, God, the way that you lift the sky, the way that you lift the sun, the way that you lift the stars, God, the way that you hold it all in place, God, we love you. And God, I pray that you just allow us to see how great and how glorious you are in every little thing and every big thing, God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the case is. So God, I love you. God, I pray that these, everybody in this room, God, just spends time glorifying you, God, and bringing you the glory that you ultimately deserve. So God, we love you. God, we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.